Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. What makes a proper day out? Getting dressed up? Yeah. Having the absolute crack with your mates? Mm-hmm. Great food and a brilliant atmosphere? Definitely. What about... A serious adrenaline rush. Go on, go on, go on! <coughs> Sorry. Horse racing has all of this and more. It's a proper day out. Punchestown Festival takes place from the 25th to the 29th of April. Get on it at hri.ie. Horse Racing Ireland, for every racing moment. Seriously Sinister discusses true petty crimes that may be disturbing to some. Or it could be easy listening to all of you psychopaths out there. Names and places have been changed to protect the hosts legally. Listener discretion is not advised. Seriously, Sinister. Welcome to Seriously Sinister, the official soundtrack to vandalism. This is Trevin. <laughs> and I'm Amanda. How are you doing today? Uh, well, I just told you that I have a new dreadful dilemma that I'm going to be discussing and ranting about with you all today because, holy hell, my husband keeps losing his wallet. How? I just don't understand how... That's like one of those things that you should always keep a, you know, keep your hands and eyes on at all times. Bro, when I say he has lost it three times this week, and oh god, how long have I been with this guy? Like eight years or something? Mm-hmm. The amount of times this man has lost his wallet. I wish I had it on file and I could tell all of you today, but it is an obscene amount of times. We've I was just telling you we've had charges on our uh, account before because he lost it this fool loses it i mean this this just this week this morning one of the mornings <laughs> sorry i'm so frazzled a morning he, one morning this week he woke me up because he was just rummaging through our room so panicked and mm-hmm. i was like if this dude tells me he lost his wallet again and just now right before we recorded he texts me saying that he lost his wallet at the park today and that some random just brought it to our house just now it is lucky at least that that did happen it is but also i think it's good karma because jordan and i returned someone's wallet before where it was in the middle of a busy road and Mm -hmm. we pulled over jordan jumped out and grabbed it we looked up his address on his id and drove it to his house oh that's awesome yeah so maybe it's good karma because (laughs) 
this guy. I don't know what to do. Why does he keep losing his wallet? I don't know. Have you thought about doing just some sort of a thing where, like a toddler, and just say, it's six (laughs) o'clock, the day is done, you're not leaving the house again, let's set our wallet here. I think I'm going to have to start treating him like our toddler. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've ha- I actually had to do that with my my keys. Not even his keys. Mm-hmm. My keys. I don't know how many times also he'll go and either pick up food or go to the store with my vehicle and then he'll come back and throw them in the most absurd places. And a lot of the times he'll just leave them in his jeans pocket. They'll get put in the laundry basket. I mean, all sorts of things. So maybe I just need to do this with the wallet as well. Yeah, I think you do. I I always have, when I come in the door, I have the spot that I put it. For some reason, there's a coat that I put in my coat closet and I treat the coat like a cabinet and I always put it in the pocket of the coat. Okay. And that's anytime I get home and when I leave the house, I just reach in the coat and grab it. Yeah, that's that's logical. That's yeah. that's adulting right there. Some people have baskets for that, you know. I mean, yeah, we have a basket for the keys and everything. And he, he just puts wallet in that. Just put the wallet in the basket. Yeah, and if you need to buy something online, go pull it out of the out basket. Out of the basket. Put your card in, buy the thing, and put it back in the basket. If he doesn't want to wear one of those ugly-ass chain things that attach to his pocket, then he's got to start putting it in the damn basket. Yeah. What about you? What's going on? Any dreadful dilemmas? Well, before I get to the dreadful dilemma, I do want to say that we have launched the podcast. Yes. We record ahead of time, as I said in the last show, but we have officially launched our first two episodes, and I would say the first week has gone really well. Oh my gosh. I I know you have also been receiving, but I've been receiving a lot of messages from people just saying, oh, I love this part and this part and that, or I, I guess the trivia question, right or wrong. I know mm-hmm. you've gotten a few of those. Um, so yeah, just, just keep Keep letting us know what you do and, and, and don't like. I mean, I hope you like it all. But yeah, keep hey, the negativity yourself. Yeah, actually, just keep please. that shit to yourself. <laughs> but no, um, just keep telling us what you like about the show. It's really cool to hear. Yeah, it feels good to know that uh, we're putting the work into this and actually getting to see it kind of come back now yeah i love it i love it and yeah we're getting more and more likes on facebook and followers on instagram each day so that's always exciting so yes definitely give us a follow give us a like yeah yeah we're just really proud of what we got going on here yeah totally so uh on the dreadful dilemma i'm gonna go completely random here and i'm gonna say my big toe oh my god (laughs) okay so I'm trying to think about how long ago this happened. Probably, I don't know, four months ago or something. Uh-huh. I was working out. I came up and showered and I looked at my big toe and my toenail was broken down all the way down to like the base of the toenail. <gasps> don't even tell me that. Oh my God. <laughs> Why? Like down the middle? Like a crack down the middle? Well, it's like kind of diagonal, but yeah. So, and I don't even remember ever stubbing my toe or doing anything to cause it. It was kind of a drag and I've got some OCD tendencies. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a I'm a chronic nail biter. And a lot of the time when I do bite my nails, it's because it's like, oh, this seems a little uneven. And then I'll bite it. And then I'll say, oops, went a little too low. And then I got to <laughs> even it out until I've got like bleeding cuticles or whatever. OCD such a bitch. Yeah. So with my toe, I'm sitting here and I, I just keep looking at it and how it's broken. And it's like, oh, it drives me crazy. Eventually, it would start to snag or whatever. 
and then it would, you know, it just didn't look nice anymore. I ended up trimming the whole thing off. <gasps> and which is fine, no big deal, but now I've been patiently waiting for it to grow back and it grew back, but it grew back broken again. So, I'm Oh my god. Are you for real? Do you realize that because you are sharing this as your dreadful dilemma that I now need to get a close-up photograph of your toe? I thought about that, yeah. <laughs> We all need to see it. So it grew back broken, and then I had to trim it again because it was catching and whatnot, and it's already growing back broken again. It's like my the toenail factory in my foot is broken, and it's just pumping out a bad toenail each time. Wow. And it's just really disappointing for me because I would love nothing more than a nice straight toenail again. Yeah, that toe factory needs a quality assurance member to step up the game. Yeah, at this point, it should be covered under warranty, <laughs> and I want this. I want to return this thing. That's awful. And I, I was so curious how this was going to go when I bring it up to you because there are two types of people. Okay. And you're definitely one of those. Uh-huh. But uh, you and Emily are both that way where talking about toes Mm-mm. or something, you're just Even like... Even you just saying it makes me cringe. To me, like I don't have a foot fetish or anything. I think <laughs> foot fetish people are really fun to make fun of. <laughs> But sorry, foot fetish. Listeners. You might be on Wiki Feet one day because of this story. So I really you know might what? be. I don't get grossed out by feet. It's no different than a hand or an elbow or whatever. Like it's just part of your body. And I mean, if you're a clean person, you probably have clean feet. But no, anytime I talk about feet or something, or I bring up the toenail because Emily has been putting up with this toenail talk for a long time. <laughs> Poor Emily. <laughs> and I'll I'll be like talking to her and just kind of looking at it like it's a weird science experiment or something, and she's like. Do not do this in my presence. We cannot, you cannot have a conversation with me while looking at that thing. And she just freaks out and makes a big deal about it. And I'm like, man, I just want to have a casual conversation about my toenail (laughs) with somebody, you know? You know what, though? I can have a conversation about it, but I will cringe like I did. And also, uh, yeah, I wouldn't want to see you like trimming it down or anything. Ah! (laughs) Even just thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Broken nails and bent back nails. Oh, God, I just can't handle that. That's terrifying. I hope that um, maybe one day it'll grow out normal. Boy, I really hope so. Wow. Well, that is a good transition into our killer facts, I'd say. I would say so as well. Hello? We've traced the facts. They're coming from inside the house. Killer facts. Did you know, because I did not, so I'm very curious to know if you knew, that there is a place within Yellowstone Park called the murder zone no i did not okay so oh i'm sorry (laughs) it's not called the murder zone oh my god oh my god you think somebody would have done something about it at this point (laughs) oh my god oh my god okay you're gonna have to cut some of this oh my god okay it is actually called the zone of death Which is still pretty horrible. Yeah, that sounds bad. It is a 50-square-mile area within Yellowstone Park that overlaps both Idaho and Wyoming. Okay. So, because of this, if any crime is made on the Idaho side, but still within the park, Mm -hmm. 
there is some weird um, legal stuff going on there because Wyoming owns everything that goes on legally, like with the park. Mm -hmm. But if you do it in this little sliver in Idaho, you could legally request a jury that is in that little area of Idaho. They have to be from that area. No one lives there. It's like this really weird loophole thing. Uh And there are constant articles about it. I found so many. How basically you could legally request the jury. No one lives there. And so they couldn't have a trial. Now, a lot of people will say, okay, Yes, legally it's that way. But if someone got murdered or any other crime there for that matter, I'm sure they'd make it work. But it's like there hasn't been a crime Mm -hmm. in that area. So how do we know? It's kind of a mystery. I'm surprised nobody's tried to just say, hey, you want to go take a walk over here? (laughs) I know. I actually was thinking that too. I was like, okay. I'm I'm just confused why no one's even tried to do a crime. I mean, not encouraging it. I'm no. not saying to do it. But if you're smart. <laughs> but yeah, there is a actual area within Yellowstone that is you can legally commit a crime and there's not really a way to have a trial supposedly. But look hmm. into it yourselves. That's just something I found. Huh. Well, that is something to really think about. And they say that national parks are actually a really popular place for crimes. So it's like, I don't know why that hasn't happened. But again, I mean, it doesn't need to. That's fine. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I thought that was super weird. Hmm. Yeah, that sounds like a scary place to find yourself. I know. (laughs) Very interesting, though. Stay out of Idaho, I guess. I now have vacation plans with people I don't like. (laughs) seriously i wonder if somebody ever had the idea of like let's put an atm on that (laughs) side they're like wait a minute i I just think there's so many possibilities that i'm just truly weirded out that no one has really taken advantage of that Mm -hmm. yeah then maybe it will become the murder zone i know (laughs) yeah seriously My killer fact i'm just gonna kind of throw out a few here for absolutely no reason at all I'm going to do mine with an Edgar Allan Poe theme. Okay. I mean, there is a reason for why I'm doing this, but for why I chose to do Edgar Allan Poe, I don't know why I chose to do this. <laughs> okay, I'm intrigued. Edgar Allan Poe had a Siamese cat that he would write with on it. Apparently, the cat would sit on his shoulder when he wrote his stories. Oh. And the cat's name was Katarina. Okay. Which I it's I don't know if that was meant to be like a funny pun or not for cat, Katarina. Can I pause this real quick? When I lived in my studio apartment, I mm-hmm. had a stray cat that would always come to my apartment and would just hang out with me, like throughout randomly during the day. And it had cataracts, so I nicknamed him Cat Arax. Oh, nice. So maybe that's why. Yeah, I mean, it was, could be. He was a literary guy. So yeah. he also, this is, I found this interesting. At the age of 27, he married his 13 year old cousin. Oh, hell no. So How thought, old was he? Oh, he was 27. Oh, 27. Okay. Whoa. I mean, even if he was younger, he still shouldn't have done that, but... Right. I thought that's pretty cool. <laughs> sure. Have you ever thought about marrying a 13-year-old or ever had that... I can honestly say uh, it's never crossed my mind. Okay. Well, this was a long con. I just kind of started this show to hopefully kind of catch you in the act here. This was... <laughs> This was a to catch a predator attempt, and now I'm stuck with a 
podcast with you. So <laughs> you're stuck now. I guess Sorry. I have to tell a story later. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I thought that was interesting. And then also at the age of 40, he disappeared for nearly a week, showed back in clothes that were not fitting. They think were probably somebody else's clothes. He was rambling incoherently. And then he just died. The official cause of death says congestion of the brain, but it's like a huge mystery about how he died. Oh, wow. So it sounds like he just kind of went crazy, but they don't know. There's a whole lot of crazy just... Theories. Uh-huh. Whoa, that is really weird. Mm. I doubt that, you know, his clothes were in the dryer too long and they just shrunk yeah. up on him. It, it was probably someone else's clothes. <laughs> yeah, but crazy guy. Mainly, I just wanted to share some stuff about Edgar Allan Poe. Okay. All right. I'm into it. So, um, for this week's stories, are you going first, you said? I am going first. Okay. Let's hear it. I'm ready. Okay. So, before I get started, mm-hmm. my little preamble for this week on this one, I'm doing things a little different. Normally, I have a very specific storytelling style, more of a inner monologue, noir type way of doing things. I decided to go a little classic literature today, <laughs> which is exactly why I went with Edgar Allan Poe facts. Okay. I decided to go with one of the greats on on the great storytellers of the of history. And so I came up with a great petty crime story inspired by the great Edgar Allan Poe himself. Okay, wow. I am ready to get educated. This story is called The Telltale Letter. It's true. Yes, I have been curious. A little too curious in my time. But why do you say that I have no control? Why do you say that I am bad? Can't you see that I am in complete control? This curiosity, this wonder, this thirst for knowledge has only made me smarter. Smarter with the ways of the world. I have boundaries. Yes, I have plenty. But sometimes lines must be crossed to achieve information. I have gone many places to achieve what I desire. I have broken to heaven and I have busted out of hell. Listen, listen and I will tell you how this came to be. You will see that my actions were necessary and completely warranted. Yes, I had brought in the mail that day. I believe it was a Monday. The water bill and a pre-approved credit card. These were nothing new, but tucked just behind them in a deep blue envelope as deep as the sea. What was it? A letter from the Church of Scientology. My address was handwritten in pen, but what's this? Theodore Lipschitz? I knew no one with such a name. It is impossible to say when the idea first popped into my head. I had no willingness to be a Scientologist. I wasn't looking for a new religion at all. I had heard about the new church in Kansas City but didn't think much of it. But it was the scratching. The scratching in my head, much like a cat that's scratching at a door when they've been accidentally shut in a bedroom. And so I decided that I had to open that letter that wasn't addressed to me. So you think I am bad? I have always lived my life by a certain set of rules. I never as much as speak out of turn. I have a hard time speaking in turn. I'm a gentle creature who has a love for following the rules. My girlfriend even said I can't open the letter. That did make me want it more. Every night about 12 o'clock, I would wake up from a hard slumber. The scratching would be too loud. 
This scratching could return the pulse to a cold, dead corpse. What could be inside the letter? Obviously, with a handwritten address, this was intended with special purpose. All I knew of the religion was stories about Tom Cruise and Beck. I had a couple of documentaries of it in my Hulu watch list, but would ultimately choose to chase whichever streaming service had the office that week. For seven nights this occurred. Seven nights of torture and pain. I couldn't manage to lift my body from the bed, for my girlfriend was a very light sleeper. If I was to be caught, this would surely end in divorce. I had just gotten back in her good graces since recently dropping a batch of her cookies on the ground. Like a dog, I ate those cookies off the floor, just to show that it was okay. She wasn't having it. The eighth night, I could not take any more of it. I slowly rolled off the bed. It seemed especially creaky this evening, but I had body control matched by no man. You'd be amazed. I moved slower than a slug using dial-up internet. Nothing could stop me from leaving that room and making my way to the pile of mail. But the laundry, the wretched laundry, how could I forget? All of this obsessing over Scientology caused me to put off my household chores. On my way out of the room, I stubbed my big toe straight on the laundry basket, sending three weeks worth of laundry toppling over. What are you doing? My girlfriend asked, just coming out of a deep sleep. I stood quite still. For a whole hour, I did not move. Even after she told me I was a creep and that I needed to get back to bed, I stayed still. There is no way she knew I was there. I've had plenty of nights speaking to an empty room just to feel comfort. She had to be doing the same. I was too cunning to be detected. After I had heard her soft snores, that's when I knew it was safe to trek on. I carefully stepped over the laundry and made my way down the hallway. The hardwood floor popped and crackled with each step. Three small steps down into the living room, and I would be to the end table. One, two, three. It was glorious. The end table's lamp lightly kissed my cheeks like an overly affectionate aunt at a family get-together. I knew it was finally my time. My curiosity would finally be alleviated. I slowly tore the envelope open and fumbled through the flyers. You'd think that breaking the law would have felt worse, but in that moment, I was Theodore Lipschitz. I swear, I could hear my hair color changing with my new identity. As I finished reading the brief history on Dianetics and dissected a flyer in which they were trying to sell a Sony Walkman for $400, I knew the deed had been done. The scratching would trouble me no more. So I'm bad, you say? You should have seen how carefully I disposed of the evidence, digging up old milk cartons in the recycling bin just to place the flyers underneath. I even placed a few of the flyers in a sharing-sized bag of M&Ms, carefully, so carefully. No mortal man would know that my recycling bin was holding my greatest sin. As I stood proudly and gazed upon my good work, I heard a creak from atop the stairs. My girlfriend had woke up, and like a fly to a TV screen, she was attracted to the end table lamp. Brett, I did not. I was so suave with my actions. As she rounded the corner from the stairs, I casually leaned against the recycling bin and began to whistle. She suspected nothing. 
As she stood in front of me, slowly wiping her eye with her wrist, I knew I was in the clear. She made herself a glass of water and began to go back to bed. As if flaunting my misdeed in her face, I stopped her and asked her how she was doing. She had begun to tell me that she had the strangest dream, that she was being chased by giant gummy bears, but eventually started eating them, causing them to run from her. As soon as she began to speak, I had regretted my decision. Details in her story continued to be missed. There was no structure to her tall tale at all. As she would get so far into the story, she would backtrack and change previously established plot points. My head hurt. There was a strange sound in my ears. I began to nod my head quickly and even say, "Uh uh-huh, prematurely before she would even finish her sentence. I needed this story to end, but she droned on. Suddenly, I knew what that familiar sound in my ears was. It was not inside my head at all. It was the scratching. I began to pace around the room. I would fiddle with a pen on a table and even straighten up the furniture, anything to drown out the sound of the scratching, and subsequently this long story that was still going on. Also, did I mention that this takes place in the 80s? Okay, let me start over. And yet she talked talked about more details and how this dream had characters from a dream she had weeks ago. Was it possible that she did not hear the scratching? She had to have heard it. I was certain. She knew. She was just playing a game with me. Like a Republican giving a filibuster on the Senate floor, she would not stop until I gave in. Between the story and the scratching, I couldn't take it any longer. Louder. 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 I grabbed the recycling bin and I dumped it on the floor. Yes, yes, I open the Scientology letter, look in the M&M's bag, and you shall see. I am not Theodore Lipschitz. Why does the scratching not stop? I've heard enough of your dream. Okay, well, are you telling me that that is how your toenail cracked? Because you stubbed your toe on the laundry basket. Oh, no, no. Sorry. Yeah, it's just a coincidence of uh, toe subject matter in this episode. (laughs) I thought I was connecting the dots. Oh, my God. Wow. Well, I feel like I was just involved in a play right then. I, I don't know if I should applaud or cry but wow Scientology is really creepy and if I got a letter I would want to open it even if it was to a lip shits yeah but it is sadly a crime yeah it is it is dang 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 so are you a Scientologist now I am not couldn't afford it oh yeah (laughs) yeah I I hear you can kind of go into debt doing it so I can imagine but That building is beautiful. Oh, they do have the most gorgeous buildings. No one's in them ever, but they're Mm. there. Whew. That was chilling. It was exhilarating. It was chilling. It was definitely uh, uncharted territory for me, but I just felt the call and I had to answer. And you really stood in the hall for hours, even though she called you a creep? Well, sometimes, well, as our stories go, names and locations are changed. I would not incriminate myself with this show. (laughs) Oh, gosh, I love that. I love that. Okay, all right. Well, 
Are you ready for my story? I am ready. In the early morning of February 2002, Emma Jones turned off her ringing alarm clock and groggily stepped out of her bed. She was a shy and pale freshman girl in high school with a hardworking single mom and a much younger brother. She didn't see her mom much as she was constantly working in their small town's cafe, but she didn't mind helping with her brother and the household chores. Emma got dressed in her flared jeans and a flowy and casual spaghetti strap dress on top. She debated for a while if she should wear a choker necklace she got as a birthday gift, but decided it might be too much. She blew a kiss to her Orlando Bloom poster before shutting her bedroom door and walking downstairs. After her brother and her were ready for the morning, they walked to school, wildberry pop-tarts in hand. She dropped her brother off at the elementary school and crossed the road to the old and depressed-looking high school. As she entered, noises of slamming lockers, loud gossip, and laughter filled her ears. Doesn't anyone know you can gently shut a locker? She thought to herself. She let out a sigh as she grabbed her biology book from her locker and walked into her first period class. The bell rang obnoxiously as Mr. Price walked into his classroom. Emma looked around nervously at the classroom. Mr. Price was the typical biology teacher that collected all sorts of odd science books, posters, and class pets, including two large boa constrictors. One of them made eye contact with Emma through his dim aquarium-style home as his tongue jutted in and out quickly, reminding her of her first kiss with Jimmy. She barely noticed that Mr. Price had already started talking to the class about today's lesson and quickly realized that she had missed something big. As she scanned the room, she saw her fellow classmates' eyes wide and mouths agape. Two girls were even clinging to each other and sobbing. Even Jimmy had tears in his eyes. What was going on? She looked over at Mr. Price, who was holding two mixed-breed puppies in his hands. Whoa, everyone, this is how science works. I've already shown you how the boa constrictors can eat rats, but these puppies were generously donated for this very purpose. As soon as Emma realized that her teacher was, in fact, preparing to feed these live pups to the class boa constrictors, Principal Hughes walked in. The class could hear him whispering to Mr. Price about concerned parent phone calls and children weeping in the halls. It wasn't a good look. Emma heard him mutter. Mr. Price looked annoyed as he put the puppy safely back into the box he originally had them in. He began his teaching lesson as if nothing had happened. Student sniffles persisted in between his lecture. Why couldn't he be more like Bill Nye the science guy and not murder innocent pets in front of our eyes, thought Emma. The rest of the day was a blur as she tried to get the close call possibility of the snake sucking the life out of those sweet puppies. Back at home, Emma's mom finally came home from a long shift at work while Emma and her brother were watching TV. How is school, sweetie? Her mom said as Emma pointed to the news report flashing across the screen. Mr. Coleman is a school board member who reportedly donated the puppies to the biology teacher. We met him for a comment. I run the local shelter and 
I see how many puppies go unwanted every week. I hate to see any life wasted. He told us that he sees thousands of puppies being put to sleep and saw the mixed breeds being fed to the snakes was productive and that it was explained that it would be good from a scientific perspective. I'm not sure he considered the sensitivity of some people when it's involved what's considered a pet. Very few people have a problem seeing a rat go, but when you have a soft, cuddly puppy, there are people who get real concern. Principal Hughes also issued a statement due to many parents wanting to see Mr. Price fired. He told us that there were no violations and the issue was resolved without hurting any puppies. As Emma and her brother were watching the screen, Emma's mom grabbed the remote and said, let's not watch this crap. She turned the channel to Judge Judy and went into the kitchen to fix some hamburger helper. Emma plugged in her Walkman and listened to Who Let the Dogs Out on repeat the rest of the evening. Oh, the Baja men. (laughs) So... This is my first story where this isn't actually from my perspective. I probably should have said this at the beginning before I said this. That's all right. But this is a true story that happened at my high school when I was in elementary school. Oh, wow. So there was an actual teacher who tried to feed live puppies. And all of the quotes that you hear in there are actual quotes from people saying that on the news. Oh, that's some real detective work there. (laughs) Yeah. I just remember as a kid being like, oh, my God, that's what high school's like? Yeah, I've never heard of trying to feed puppies to a boa constrictor for school. Yeah, so the school board and everybody was just like, hey, you know, no puppies, no one was hurt, it's fine. But it, as a child, it really shocked me. Yeah, that's, I don't even know, that's messed up. Even the articles that I found for this story, there was one that was written in the UK. Oh. I'm not even joking, like it was kind of a big news Mm -hmm. story. That happened in my town, so I had to share that with everybody. Like, How do you not have the foresight to think people might have a problem with feeding puppies to a snake? Yeah, and they were alive. And the fact that that school board member thought that he didn't want to see any life wasted, he didn't want to put these puppies down, but he just wanted their deaths to be a scientifical learning experiment just the thought process behind that i found to be pretty hysterical yeah that's small town america (laughs) so really trying hard trevin to find a uh connection i Uh, found one tiny one oh what what connection did you find for our stories this week we both had a walkman in our stories Boom. Mic drop. Walkman drop, as I should say. Mm. Okay. Whoa. Perfect. Beautiful. Amazing. Oh, my God. There's our connection for the week. That one was a hard one, though. That is really hard. I figured when I wrote that story, I was like, oh, there's no... If there's some way that we have a strong connection between our stories, then it's something (laughs) otherworldly. Right. Oh, my gosh. Well, we hope that everyone is having a great week. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed this week's stories, and we'd love to hear from you. Keep uh, contacting us, like we said. Yeah, contact us. Send us any stories you have. Write them yourself. Give us the gist. We can write them. Send us articles, anything you want to do. 
we're here for you. Yeah, because next week I actually uh, have a story from one of our listeners that I converted. So I'm really excited about that. Oh, that is really exciting. Our first one. Yeah. So, all right, everyone. We'll have a uh, good week. And just remember that no matter the crime, big or small, we're all doomed in the end. All doomed. Have a good week. Bye. Thank you for listening to Seriously Sinister. If you have a true petty crime story to share, please email us at seriouslysinisterpodcast at gmail.com or send us a Facebook message. If you would like to support our show, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Also, tell your friends about this podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Seriously Sinister Podcast. And on Twitter at Seriously Sin Pod. Shout out to Trevin for writing all of the original music you hear and for producing our show. Follow him and his music at Fiesta Maiden on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Facebook. And credit to Emily Stark for designing our podcast artwork. You can follow her on Instagram at emily.r.stark. All stories are written by myself and Trevin, and all stories are based on actual, true, petty crimes.